Hey, what's up everybody? This is Taylor from Game Devs Quest with this week's quick tip. If you haven't done so already, check out docs.microsoft.com, especially if you're into C-sharp development. They have so much stuff on here. Recently, I've been learning ASP.NET and really trying to dig into .NET, and I am just blown away by the amount of documentation they have. Uh, when I first looked at this a few years back, I never found it very helpful. But now that I'm diving deep and actually getting in and, and spending some time reading their documentation, it's almost like you don't even really need to, to check out a book. You can just go to their website and read and learn. So check it out, docs.microsoft.com. I think it'll really help you out as, a, as developers and uh, just a very enriching library they have there. Uh, also, heads up, this episode's pretty short. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest. We got another special one for you. This is episode three of the Design Patterns series I'm running. This week, we're going to look at the decorator pattern. First off, let me get into the resources I use here. The main one is the Head First Design Patterns book uh, by O'Reilly, which I've been using every week. It's what I'm basically following all the way through. Additionally, I don't think I mentioned this before. Uh, I actually got my hands on the original Design Patterns book, uh, which is the Gang of Four one that is widely renowned. Uh, it's kind of the Bible of design patterns. Um, so I've been using those two books. Essentially, I read the head first uh, first because it's more like co colloquial and uh, easy to follow. And then the actual book called Design Patterns, that's kind of a secondary resource that just helps me kind of solidify what I'm talking about. Um, additionally, there's some really good video series that I've been following. One from Christopher Okravi, who also is going through the Head First Design Patterns book, and then also Derek Bannis, who has much more kind of hands-on examples of these patterns. And in fact, if you really want to just wrap your head around the basics of the decorator pattern, I highly recommend checking out the Derek Bannis video. It's only 12 minutes long, and he just whips right through it. So those are the, the main resources I followed. I'll have some example code uh, linked in the show notes for me kind of getting my way through this, trying to understand it. And then another uh, .NET example that I found from codemaze.com. So check check the show notes if you want some more information about what I'm using. All right, let's get into it here. Um, so a couple things I wanted to point out about the decorator pattern. First, it follows the object-oriented principles that this Head First Design Patterns book talks a lot about, uh, which is favor composition over inheritance. Decorator pattern is really about composition. There is sort of some inheritance that's involved here, but it's mostly about being able to make changes to objects at runtime. And so if you think about what inheritance is, uh, you sort of define this hierarchy of object structure uh, at compile time. 
And so that essentially means that that design is static. You can't easily change the behavior of your objects at runtime. And that's, that's where composition comes in. Um, if you remember, uh, inheritance is an is a relationship and composition is a has a relationship. And so these different objects will have instances of other objects. And that's essentially what the composition piece is all about. So the Head First Design Patterns book kind of opens up always with a, a problem they're trying to solve. And in their example this time, it's basically a Starbucks company that has this software and the software is kind of like a register system. So like if you go to Starbucks and you want to buy a drink, they ring you up, you know, that you tell them what your order is and they'll add on all of your add-ons and everything. And at the end, you'll come out with your drink and the cost and, you know, all the different descriptions basically of the add-ons you put on it. The problem is initially it was designed using inheritance. And so they talk about what's called class explosions or object explosions, which is basically, if you think about inheritance, you like, let's say, well, I'm not super great with coffee. So let's, let's do it. Derek Baniston and talk about pizza. If you have a pizza, you'll have kind of like your base class or base object, which is going to be dough. And then everything else is going to be a topping. So with inheritance, if you tried to kind of map out what those relationships look like, you're going to have, you know, a pizza with plain cheese, a pizza with cheese and pepperoni, a pizza with a different type of cheese and pepperoni, a pizza with, you know, mushrooms, cheese, olives, whatever. And all of those are going to be classes. Every single combination of toppings is going to be its own class. And that's essentially what this Starbuzz, they call it Starbuzz. <laughs> that's essentially what they were doing initially. And so that's, you can just tell that's not economical. That's not going to, it's going to be a lot of work to maintain that system. And so that's where the decorator pattern comes in. So one another another thing I really quickly want to talk about is they bring up the idea of the open-closed principle. And this ties into kind of the class explosion thing. So the open-closed principle basically states that classes should be open for extension but closed for modification. So what that means is when you are developing software, you don't want to... You know, if you get a new requirement from your company, you don't want to have to go in and update a bunch of classes each time that you make a change, right? Each time that the requirements change. But if you already have a system kind of built in place, uh, you want to build it so that it's extensible. So it's easy to, to add on to it, maybe with other classes or whatnot. So... That was brought up because somebody said, well, can't we just have like a bunch of Boolean statements inside or Boolean values inside of our, you know, main pizza class? So you'll have like bull has cheese, true or false. Bull has pepperoni, true or false. Bull has whatever else, true or false. 
And so like that's clunky already. And I've definitely designed games with that framework in mind. It's super clunky and hard to work with. And so the open close principle comes in because let's say you get a new topping. Uh, maybe you have vegan cheese. Okay, so now is there is vegan cheese? Like we're adding that Boolean into the class. That violates the open close principle. All that being said, the decorator pattern really addresses this issue. What it basically will do is you have a component class. So in the pizza example, our component is going to be our base pizza class. And maybe it's just, you know, the pizza that has just dough, right? It's going to have some properties like a description and a cost. So for this case, like the, the base component is its description is dough and then its cost is like five bucks or something so then you're going to have another class that is your decorator um, class and by the way both of these like the component and the decorator class i've seen in the head first they use abstract classes so that you can um, have pieces of it that are overridden but i've seen other like derek banis he does the, con the component class is an interface. So it's sort of interchangeable a little bit depending on how you're, what you're trying to do. But so anyways, then you have your decorator abstract class and all it really has is a reference to the component class. So in this case, like the pizza. And then basically it's gonna have, it's gonna override the get description and get cost methods. And uh, one one key piece that I missed is that the decorator class, the abstract decorator class, has to inherit from the component class. So it has to inherit from the pizza class. And this is actually a really key piece to how the decorator pattern works because this allows us to use polymorphism to essentially wrap our pizza with as many decorate, well, I guess wrap our pizza with as many toppings as needed. Or I guess a different way of saying that is it allows us to wrap our component with as many decorators as we want. And that's a common term that you hear. Uh, even in fact, in the uh, design patterns book called design patterns, the first page that has decorators says it's also known as wrapper. And ultimately, ultimately what ends up happening is you have your component class that is instantiated in like main or something. And then you end up just like continuing, continue to wrap it and wrap it and wrap it and wrap it with all these different decorators. So the pizza example, instead of having like all these Boolean values or like a million different classes, you're gonna end up having a, you'll say something in main like pizza P equals new pizza. And then inside of the constructor, you're gonna continue to pass it new decorators, right? So you're gonna end up having like, well, what, what it'll end up looking like is basically like you know, pizza P equals new, and then you're going to define some decorators. So you'd be like new 
tomato sauce. And then in its constructor, you're going to pass it another decorator. Uh, so new cheese. Then inside of that, new mushrooms. Inside of that, new onions, whatever. And then finally, at the last one, new pizza or whatever it is. The base class that just means like dough or maybe like new dough, right? And so every single layer of that is wrapped in together to build up this new object for you. And that's, that is exactly what the decorator pattern is. It's just one object that's wrapped and wrapped and wrapped by many other ob objects. And wrapped basically is a synonym to decorated. So I didn't really get too deep into the methods. And basically, you know, like I said, we're going to have a get description in this case and a get cost in this case. The base, like concrete pizza class, like I said, is going to have that, you know, get description, return dough, right? And then cost is going to be uh, return five for five dollars. And then every single decorator class, like concrete decorator, is basically basically going to have that same thing, except for it's going to call the get description and get cost methods from the pizza instance that is passed to it. So this is the like the object that is composited, if that's the right verb, to these other classes. So for instance, you're going to have inside the cheese decorator, you're going to have uh, an instance of a pizza. And remember, since the decorator inherits from pizza, the pizza abstract class, it is technically of type pizza using polymorphism. And then so for the cheese decorator, it's going to be, you know, get description inside of that method. It's going to be return pizza, its instance variable dot get description plus cheese. <laughs> and then for cost, it's going to be, you know, pizza, it's instance variable dot cost plus and then whatever the cost of cheese is, so like 0.9 for 90 cents. And so it's going to just build up all of these toppings based off of the, you know, the base class and then all the other decorators. And it's going to build out this full list of every single thing that's on that pizza and the full sum of every single cost of those toppings. So in the end, you might have, you know, a get description method that returns dough, tomato sauce, cheese, mushrooms. And then the the cost is going to be like $5 for the dough, 90 cents for the cheese, you know, a dollar for whatever else it is. And so you'll end up with like 10 bucks, right? And it's kind of cool because it almost like, it does a bunch of recursive calls to the object that it was passed. Uh, so like if I do a, a get description on one object, uh, like the last decorator, it calls the get description on the pizza object that it has as an instance variable. And, it, and then that object is gonna do the same thing. And that object's gonna do the same thing all the way until you hit the last like the actual base pizza, which is our dough, and it's all gonna, you know, get kind of get added up and returned out from that final call to get description. So once you build up these objects in like your main class, it you just are gonna say like, you know, P 
pizza dot get description and it's going to return that whole like dough tomato sauce cheese pepperoni right it's pretty cool um and so like i said the advantage of this is that you can build out these complex hierarchies these complex objects right at runtime so if you have somebody like me who's a picky eater or whatever and they come up to your register and they say they just want like dough and pizza sauce or whatever you can punch that right in it's fine or you could have somebody who literally wants every single topping and you can punch that right in it'll give you the, the total and and uh, so it just adds to the amount of flexibility that the the system that you're building has now one downside to this uh, it's both books talk a little bit about it is the fact that you're gonna have potentially a lot of objects because every single decorator you have to create an instance of an object which can be kind of expensive the other thing is you know if your system has a lot of decorators it can be kind of hard as a developer to wrap your head around it and for something as you know mundane as pizza that's really um, trivial you know that's pretty easy for us to all understand but if it gets into something much more technical like the head first book talks about the uh, input stream class or whatever the java's io api it uses the decorator pattern and when you're talking about like different streams and buffers and all this kind of stuff it can get pretty confusing so that's something to consider when you're building out something with the decorator pattern i so i always like to kind of put the game dev spin on this so my example code was basically trying to calculate how much damage a player like a character has and so what i ended up doing was i created a an abstract component class called damage giver and that's just kind of, you know, like a person or something, right? And then my uh, decorators were abstract uh, damage modifier decorators, which inherit from damage giver. That's those are that's the uh, component class. So then you're going to have the concrete component class, which is base player damage. And so that's like the idea I had was, you know, every player can use their fists. So damage of three. The description is fists and then you know there's a bunch of other like decorators so one's a sword decorator class one's a ring decorator class one's a amulet decorator class all those have their own description their own damage and then you know depending on what items your character is is using you pass it or you create these objects and decorate them with all that other stuff so if you look at my code, you can kind of see how I did that. Essentially, I'll read you just a little bit from my main. If I had a character that had all those decorators, I would have uh, damage giver DG equals new base player damage. That's our concrete component class. And then DG equals new sword, and I pass it DG. Then DG equals new ring, I pass it DG as this is going on this object is getting decorated a bunch of times and then finally uh, dg equals new amulet dg so that means that i have a player class or a player object 
who's decorated with a sword, who's decorated with a ring, who's decorated with an amulet. And then all I have to do is do one call to uh, dg.getDamageDescription, and it's going to output ev- like all of its damage. So it'd be like 3 damage for the fist, 10 damage for sword, 4 damage for ring, 7 damage for amulet for a total of, I guess I didn't add that in there, but like 20-something. And it's that easy. So uh, take a look at my code. Definitely, if you can get your hands on these books, Head First Design Patterns is pretty pretty awesome. It makes it very easy to understand. And then check out the Derek Bannis video for sure, especially if you want something quick. I think that's about it. If you guys have any questions about the decorator pattern, let me know. If you have any questions about the open-close principle uh, or composition over inheritance, those are some big factors in the decorator pattern. So hopefully this talk has kind of at least given you a brief overview of the decorator pattern. Uh, will make us all better developers. At least when you're writing code and using libraries and whatnot, maybe now you can, if something is developed with the decorator pattern in mind, at least you have kind of a base understanding. But I definitely encourage you guys to uh, look into it more, do some of your own research. All of the examples that I found seem fairly watered down. So I want to see what it's like in the real world. But otherwise, uh, the next design pattern, I believe, is going to be the factory pattern. Uh, it's chapter four here. So a couple weeks, we'll have that out and ready for you, for you to learn with me here. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Hit me up in the Discord if you have any questions. Have a good week. <laughs>